0: In today's video, we are going over an evidence-based guide to cervical radiculopathy. Let's do it. This is part six in our series on cervical radiculopathy. If you missed the prior parts, I'll leave a link in the show notes in the description. Go back and watch those and then get back to this one. Ojo, Ojo awo, et al in 2016 and again in 2018 found a transverse oscillatory pressure, which is a maintenance strategy towards the painful side was helpful for folks with cervical radiculopathy. Shafiq et al. in 2019 found that a mulligan spinal mobilization with arm movement was effective for cervical radiculopathy. Wakas et al. in 2016 found that a thoracic manipulation was actually better than a cervical mobilization, although both in group, groups improved over the course of time. And then Young et al. in 2019 also found that thoracic spine manipulation to be effective for patients with cervical radiculopathy. The Young study actually included a placebo, which is kind of nice to see. So a sham thoracic manipulation doesn't work as well as an actual thoracic manipulation. And now I've got a free guide for you today. It's an evidence-based cheat sheet to cervical radiculopathy. We go over all the fundamental basics for diagnosis and treatment of cervical radiculopathy. It's an eight-page PDF, and I'll take you from a novice to an expert extremely quickly. I'm gonna leave a link in the description so you can go ahead and download that right now and get learning. And lastly, this cheat sheet was specifically made for the lesson today, so I have all of the bullet points in this presentation, included in the cheat sheet. And this is really nice. So if you download it, you can follow along with today's lesson. And the other piece is that a couple months from now, if you're like, ah, man, I kind of forgot what Dan said about cervical radiculopathy. You have a new patient coming in tomorrow and you want to make sure you do a good job. You can just take a look at the cheat sheet, reference it and just nail your examination. So should we consider oral medications in the treatment of our patients with cervical radiculopathy? Well, as a physical therapist, this is not my domain at all. However, what you will find for a lot of these folks, they feel god-awful after the onset of cervical radiculopathy. So can we send them back to the doctor and get them on, let's say, some pain meds to help with that pain in the short term? So Kasemi et al. in 2013 found that a short course of oral corticosteroids reduced radiculopathy-related pain in the short term which is sometimes exactly what you need it for, to get over that hump where things feel absolutely terrible. So it might be a consideration in your patients that are very, very painful. Obviously, you just refer out to a physician who can do this. Just keep in mind, in the long term, you're probably gonna have the same outcome, so you don't need to push NSAIDs on your patients either. When should you consider corticosteroid injections in your patients with cervical radiculopathy? Largely, steroids can be considered after four to six weeks of failed conservative treatment. A 2007 Cochrane review supported the use of epidural steroid injections in patients with cervical radiculopathy. However, this was low-quality evidence. Dewan et al. in 2012, via a systematic review, found good-quality evidence to, to support steroid injections for cervical radiculopathy caused by a disc herniation. However, there's only fair evidence for radiculopathy caused by spondylosis. So if you have a patient that has more of the degenerative symptoms, they may not do as well with an injection. If you have a patient that has an acute cervical uh, radiculopathy due to disc herniation, they may do a bit better with a corticosteroid injection. Stav et al found a significant benefit in pain and function with epidural steroid injections for at least one year in patients who had not improved with physical therapy and NSAIDs. So if you have a patient that's really far out from the onset of their cervical radiculopathy one year or more, they can still have an improvement via using a corticosteroid injection. The thought being is that this pain has been lingering for so long, surely it can't be an inflammatory condition, but it does seem that, like I said before, mechanical compression for a long period of time will stimulate this cascade of inflammation, and a corticosteroid injection seems to be useful even if it's a year out from the initial onset. There are some potential complications of a corticosteroid injection, and it's just important your patients know this. Uh, Hopefully, the physician that you refer to will communicate this with patients, right? The potential complications that can occur are a dural puncture, meningitis, epidural abscesses, and a nerve root injury. Obviously, none of these are a good thing, so it's important the doctor just discusses the pros and cons of the injection before prescribing it to the patient. Because over the course of time, we know with just, uh, just a little bit of time or a little bit of exercise or some manual therapy tends to make these things better. You don't necessarily have to do the injection to get some improvement, but if they're not making progress over the course of time, it might be useful to refer to the physician to get some extra treatments. When should you consider surgery in your patients that have cervical radiculopathy? Well, largely, surgery is going to be saved for folks that fail conservative treatment. So, if you spend weeks and weeks and months and months and you're not making any progress whatsoever, you can send back to the physician and they can discuss the possibility of a surgery. Okay. These surgeries tend to have satisfactory outcomes. And there are a lot of different surgeries that a surgeon can do for cervical radiculopathy. I'm going to name off a few for you anterior cervical discotomy with autologous bone graft. Anterior cervical discectomy with allograft bone graft plus plating, Anterior cervical discectomy. Anterior cervical discectomy with fusion. This is actually the most common surgery you'll see. Anterior cervical discectomy with fusion and additional plating. Anterior cervical foraminotomy. Cervical disc replacement. Posterior or cervical foraminotomy. Anterior cervical discectomy with polymethyl, methacrylate PMMA. So I'm not gonna go in depth on these different procedures just because that would take forever and I'm definitely not an expert on those, but just keep in mind there are a lot of options for the physician, okay? In terms of which surgery is going to be most effective, Gao et al. in 2021 actually found that of all of these surgeries, they all have similar positive outcomes. And what that means is that you may have one surgeon may prescribe one technique, another surgeon may prescribe another. What technique they use is going to vary a lot on what type of injury you have within the neck. Is it more of a intervertebral foraminal issue? Is it more of a disc issue, right? The surgeon can choose which surgery is going to be most effective and whichever surgery they're most comfortable with. A study in 2023 from El et al. found that different variations of disc replacement were actually more effective than other forms of surgery, uh, most commonly the ACDF, as I mentioned previously. And they had mentioned the Moby-C and the kineflex. Were superior to other surgeries and this is a specific type of disc replacement procedure if you guys like what you're learning about so far then the next logical step is to sign up for the fitness pain free mini course i've made an absolutely free mini course and we go over four vital lessons for coaches and clinicians the first lesson goes over how traditional schooling has failed us Now, I'm actually a really big fan of education, and I think that physical therapy school actually prepared me pretty well to work with the average person. However, I really didn't learn how to work with the population that I want, which is people in the strength and fitness world. So I'm talking about powerlifting, bodybuilding, Olympic weightlifting, sport of fitness, and really people that just love working hard in the gym. And really, my goal with the mini course is to help you understand how you work with this population to get them out of pain and keep them training, The next lesson is seven reasons why people get hurt in the gym. So it's vitally important. They understand the injury mechanisms or why people get hurt in the gym. If we don't understand why folks are getting hurt in the gym, it's going to be very hard to rehabilitate those folks because let's say we do get them better. They go right back in the gym and get hurt in the same exact way they hurt before. The other piece is if we want to keep these folks safe for the long haul, we have to understand the main reason why these folks get hurt in the first place so we can keep them in the gym training as safe as possible and minimize that risk of future injury. Next, we go over four simple steps for getting your clients out of pain. Now, Rehab can be very complicated. There's a lot of systems out there that make it very challenging to figure out how to work with your patients. However, it really doesn't have to be that complicated. So I go over four easy steps you can follow to get your patients out of pain and back in the gym where they belong. Lesson number four is how to build the career of your dreams and earn the respect of your community. Let's face it. The reason why you take these educational courses is obviously so you can learn a little bit more, but really the deep seed of reason is because you wanna have the respect of your community You want your clients to come in, work with you and say, wow, Joe was great. He did a phenomenal job with me tell their friends and their friends come to see you. And after a while, you're very valued and respected within your community. So I'm going to teach you how to do that. Second piece is that if you know these skills, it doesn't always mean you have a ton of patients going through the door so you can work with the population you want to work with, right? So you may be the absolute best coach in the world, but no one wants to come and see you because they don't know who you are and they don't know how good you actually are. We'll teach you how to get the patients through the door that you want to work with. And lastly, we'll talk a little bit about the Fitness Pain-Free Certification. This is the largest and most comprehensive educational course that I offer, but more on this later. So I'll leave a link in the description in the show notes. Again, it's 100% free, really easy to download. Go ahead and do that right now. And now back to your learning. So what's going to be more effective, surgery or physical therapy? So Enquist et al in 2013 attempt to answer this question. They were looking at patients from the age of 18 to 65. And these patients had cervical radiculopathy somewhere between eight weeks to five years of symptoms. So pretty chronic symptoms. in some of these folks, the one group was given an anterior cervical discectomy, the ACDF with physical therapy versus physical therapy alone. So surgery plus physical therapy versus physical therapy what they found is that both groups improved over the study length, which is one year, and the surgical group outperformed physical therapy in neck pain and global assessment of improvement. However, once they got to the two-year mark, there was no difference in those outcomes. What's interesting is that they follow these patients up a little bit later between the uh, timeline of five years and eight years out from the onset of the study. And actually found that the surgical group was superior for pain in the neck disability index. So interesting to see that at the one year mark surgery was better two years. It was the same five to eight years it actually seemed like surgery was superior. The non-surgical treatment group received exercise in a step fashion. Step one had neck-specific exercises and procedures for pain relief. Step two involved general exercise, so thinking more about walking or weight training. Uh, Step three involved pain coping, increasing self-efficacy, and stress management strategies because we know these things can be related to neck pain. Uh, The parameters were to perform these daily at home. Patients also performed these twice per week in the clinic. And they continue this for a minimum of three months. And really my recommendation is, if you have surgical radiculopathy and you want to avoid pain, you should probably just hit the like button and subscribe to the channel. Definitely going to help. Not really. So what should be your treatment plan if you have a patient that comes in with cervical radiculopathy fresh off from an injury? So step one, immediately after that initial injury, they're probably going to see a primary care physician or the emergency room, and they want to rule out medical red flags. And they also want to provide that patient some education about the injury and the prognosis. Basically, that this tends to get better over the course of time. All right, don't freak out. That's important for patients to know. If they have severe weakness, obviously, they need to be sent to a surgeon for a surgery consult. You want to see that patient again in one to two weeks to assess for advancing neurological deficits. So sometimes that's you as a physical therapist, but oftentimes that should be a primary care physician or that first point of contact which means you have to assess their strength. And it's good to get some, some good objective measures to compare from week to week and make sure people are not getting worse. If they have progressive weakness, they need a surgeon console and probably an emergency surgery. If the patient saw a primary care physician and that they're at the three week mark and things are not getting better, you should probably refer to physical therapy at that point. If you're already seeing that patient, just continue treating them. If pain is persisting greater than six weeks out, you can consider referring back to the physician at this point they may consider using an injection to reduce pain if pain is persisting for three or more months you may want to send to a surgeon and they can potentially look at surgical options just keep in mind that for patients with surgical radiculopathy it takes a long period of time for these patients to feel better we looked at some of those prior studies that two three years out people are still improving with conservative measures. So if you're sending someone out the three-month mark, that might be a little bit premature, okay? So as long as folks don't have severe weakness or any medical red flags, you might want to consider treating them conservatively for a longer period of time. However, if things really aren't getting better, then definitely I recommend sending out to a physician for potential injections or a surgical consult. Lastly, one in five patients who underwent injection ended up getting surgery over the course of five years. So if you have a patient that's not doing well, we don't have to push them straight to surgery. We can utilize an injection and it looks like most of those folks get better with injection. Only a couple end up going on to surgery. So now that you know more about cervical radiculopathy, you still need to know how to do all the special tests to rule in or rule out this condition. I have a great video for you. I'll leave a link in the corner right over there. Click on that and continue the learning. I'll see you on that next video. If you're interested in the references, I'll leave them in the description in the show notes. You can definitely check those out. Lastly, I just wanna say thank you so much for your support. You truly allow me to do what I love for a living. If you're watching this on YouTube, please hit that thumbs up button. If you leave a comment, it helps the algorithm. I'd also love to know your thoughts on this presentation today. Please subscribe to the channel. It helps me out tremendously. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, please consider leaving me a positive review. Again, it helps tremendously. If you want to see more content like this in the future, we got to make sure we grow this over the course of time, right? And lastly, if you want to support me even further, consider subscribing to Fitness Pain Free Insiders. This is going to be my premium subscription membership to Fitness Pain Free, all my best content updated monthly uh, lives. So head to fitnesspainfree.com, click on the programs link, click on Fitness Pain Free Insiders online library, just $1 for a week trial. Also leave a link in the show notes in the description. All right, go ahead and check it out.